Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Today, I'm joined by Justin Winter, Senior Portfolio Manager for Water Strategies at Impacts Asset Management. Welcome, Justin. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Daniel. Pleasure to be here. Well, we've had a volatile time in markets so far this year, and, and that seems to be paralleled a bit recently by volatility in the weather, or at least in, in Europe. We've got storm warnings and, and, and high winds all around, so it seems maybe an appropriate time uh, to talk again about developments uh, in the climate, opportunities that we see with that, uh, particularly when we think about the investments that are going to be necessary to address uh, all the challenges that we know are ahead of us. Now, one of those areas I think that you work a lot with, Justin, is around water infrastructure. And in general, my understanding is that aging water infrastructure is a widespread problem, particularly in developed as well as developing countries. In the U.S., of course, there's been a lot of attention paid to the Biden administration's infrastructure plan that was passed successfully, so teeing up a lot of money that can go into various parts of the U.S. economy. Do you see investment opportunities, particularly in the water segment, from that initiative? The short answer is yes, for sure. An interesting thing about the infrastructure bill, as it was then in the U.S., is that you know, in, in an environment in which politicians seem to agree about very little, there was bipartisan support for infrastructure, and particularly for, for water infrastructure in the in the US. So this is something that's got it's got broad support. There's broad recognition that more investment is needed um, in in drinking water and in um, wastewater treatment, and we've seen that come through in the in the infrastructure act in in the US. So you know, out of um, about a trillion dollars altogether, um, there's a bit more than 50 billion from that in in drinking water, and there's a, a particular focus in there on on replacing the um, the lead service line. So, you know, infrastructure in water in, in Western Europe and particularly in the northeast of the of the US, so places that sort of were early industrializers after the Industrial Revolution, saw the, the rapid growth of, of cities. So there's very old infrastructure there. Um, and that includes in a lot of places things called lead service lines. So these are, are lead pipes that connect houses and businesses to the main sort of trunk lines that move move drinking water around. And you know, it was only in the 1970s that they stopped doing that and they recognized the sort of the health impacts. So in the in the US there are still sort of you know up to 10 million lead service lines around it would cost about 60 billion dollars to replace all of them. In this particular package there's about 15 billion dollars allocated to it. So it, it's a start but it's not the the whole story. Um, but you know, it, it's one example of of the costs of of having older infrastructure, having lead in in drinking water isn't isn't very good for adults, but it's particularly harmful for for children. We've seen, you know, places like Flint, Michigan, and and New York, New Jersey, that have had you know very high levels of of lead in the drinking water, and unfortunately, the health impacts from that are, are going to be around for for many decades. So it is you know it's a it's a very serious issue and needs to be needs to be addressed. 
I imagine that most of us, when we think about infrastructure, you, you talked about pipes, and, and we think of quite physical assets, perhaps somewhat simple assets. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that this part of the economy is not immune from all the changes we're seeing around technology. And I would imagine that a lot of the opportunities here to do all of this more efficiently and better centers around technology. Could you share with us some of the interesting developments you see and how that relates to water infrastructure? Sure. So, so one of the things that's been going on is having more more sensors and meters through networks. So this is both on on the drinking water side, uh, but also on the, on the wastewater side. So a lot more people have um, have smart meters in their um, in their houses and, and businesses. And one of the things that comes out of that, you know, in addition to more accurate um, billing. Is that there's more there's more data available to help understand the, the network better. So it helps utilities understand where where leaks are occurring, for instance, um, more um, readily than you know having having an enormous pipe rupture or something that thing that tips them off. So they they get a clue that there's there's a leak somewhere in, in the network, and you know having data coming in from those endpoints, but also throughout the the network means that. You know they're able to manage those systems more efficiently, and you know, and, and more cost effectively um, as well. So, in addition to market opportunities in in areas like meters and and sensors and having smarter smarter pumps and things like that, there's also a lot of focus on you know taking that data and finding you know finding better ways to to use it as well to understand the the, the systems better. Now, alongside all of this, and we think about how water infrastructure fits in more broadly with the issues that we're facing with climate change, uh, clearly this is always evolving, new opportunities coming to you as a portfolio manager. Uh, can you talk about some of the other areas where you see new developments and areas of interest for you? So talking about climate change there's a, a red warning at the moment as we're recording this in um in england with you know, very very high winds they're talking about the worst storms in in 30 years in in parts of the the country of course you know last year in in, in july 2021 there were really significant floods particularly in, in northwestern europe over 200 people unfortunately were were killed and you know climate change and and higher air temperatures lead to these sort of much more intense rainfall events and you know, and storms and, and these other things. And, you know, trying to avoid excess climate change is one thing, but also recognising that the climate is changing and that we're seeing more, um, more flooding and doing things to manage that um, is an important part of, of what we're looking at as well. So if we think about the rainfall events in northwest Europe, one of the solutions to that is having you know both better ability to predict those storms more locally um, on that side of the the technology, but also having within river systems and catchments um, more sensors again available that can that can you know set off alarms around flooding and allow more sort of more targeted responses to those events. So, you know, it might not prevent all of the harm that, that comes from it, but can help hopefully, you know, go some way towards preventing some of the more sort of catastrophic impacts, particularly on, on, on people losing their lives. We've also, of course, seen 
our response in places like the Netherlands over a much longer period of time to, to flooding, obviously because of the geography there is something that's quite acute. So, you know, land use and, and these sorts of things and, and having ways to allow flood water to go somewhere where, where it does less harm, that's also part of the solution. But, you know, an important part of it is having having smarter stormwater networks to help us, you know, to help us avoid hopefully some of this this loss of life. And then, you know, thinking about more sensors. So so I'll talk about more sensors there on the stormwater side. I spoke earlier about about more sensors in drinking water systems and in and in wastewater systems. And another thing to remember about water and opportunities in, in water is that, you know, people tend to think about it being used in in agriculture or for drinking water and, and sanitation. But everything we see around us, water has been used to to make that. So, you know, to make semiconductors, for instance, it, it's a very water-intensive process, particularly on the cleaning side. So ultra-pure water needed at all the stages of, of manufacturing um, the chips. And as the, you know, as those chips get smaller, it becomes more water-intensive. So, you know, that's another area of opportunity for investors in water you know in addition to things like um, like data centers need water for cooling it, it really is used um, used everywhere and very broadly through the through the economy so you know, part of the reason that investing in water you know for the past decade and looking into the future is so good is because it's so broad there's such a broad set of end markets that it's um, that it's used in if we could maybe pick up on some of the environmental issues that you deal with. Now, on one hand, of course, there's everything around pollution-related businesses. Uh, but also, I think it's been a surprise for some people how uh, researchers have been testing water for evidence of COVID as we try to manage the pandemic. So what are some of the developments you see in these two areas? Yeah, that, that's a really interesting area, actually. So on the testing side of things, so that's been an area that we've been investing in for many years. And, you know, th this is detecting contaminants, but also, you know, in, in the pandemic, as, as you say, it was used to, to find areas where there were outbreaks or a big rise in infections. And it's a very effective way to, to detect that without, you know, having nasal swabs and, and, and all that, all that sort of thing. So the technology that it, it's, it's emerging, but it is an interesting area and it's you know companies that we know well are actively involved in in the area on the issue of contaminants more generally so you know there are quite well known contaminants that have been for a, around for a long time like lead lead we've spoken about but there are also newer contaminants that are coming through and this is this is one of the drivers as well for you know for companies providing solutions to these things um, so, so things like microplastics. So, you know, a lot more microplastic being detected in the environment. So, you know, companies who are able to detect that and provide solutions for removing it from water streams uh, are other areas for us. And then another area is um, is a group of chemicals called PFAS or, or Forever Chemicals. And these are chemicals that have been used for for several decades now, and they have really good properties. In, in waterproofing. So, um, you know, that means that they're very good in, in things like firefighting foam and, and that that kind of thing. Unfortunately, some of those properties that make them good for those applications also mean that they stay in the environment for a long time. They don't, they don't break down. 
Um, and when they accumulate in the environment, they can have negative impacts on on people's health, which is becoming better known. So there's um, a focus on that in you know places like um, like Europe and in and in um, North America and really around the world now to better understand you know where these chemicals are and they're very widespread. There's been a lot of focus around around airports, for instance. So airports often have drills to deal with you know, any sort of fires. And during those drills, they use a lot of firefighting foam and that's ended up in the environment around there. So it needs to be cleaned up. So this is a you know, really a multi-decade opportunity for companies who are able to detect where you know these chemicals are, provide solutions for removing them, consultants who have specialists in the area who can provide advice to governments and and companies on how to deal with it. So, you know, it, it really is a long-term opportunity because, you know, the companies we look at are providing solutions to these problems as they, as they emerge. Thanks, Justin. If I could perhaps summarize a bit of what you've shared with us. Clearly, a key development recently has been the passage of the U.S. infrastructure package, well over a trillion dollars, and a decent chunk of that going to be devoted to water infrastructure. Now, with that investment and that growth, technology, of course, playing a bigger and bigger role. You discussed how if we think about uh, the efforts to minimize climate change at the same time, there's also a need to try to mitigate the impacts of the change that's already taking place. And water infrastructure plays a role there, for example, in the need for better sensors to manage stormwater runoff. We also discussed semiconductors, which use a lot of water in the production, and therefore the need of better infrastructure to reduce the amount of water consumed. And then we also touched on the pandemic and how testing of water to identify COVID uh, has also been an area of growth. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out our Investors Corner blog. For listeners who have devices with Alexa, you can ask Alexa to enable Investment Insights or search for Investment Insights on Amazon under the category Alexa Skills. My thanks to Justin for sharing his insights. Thank you, Justin. Thanks, Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen to the podcast as well. Please join me next week when I'll be speaking with Victoria Whitehead about the outlook for European corporate credit, which is also facing a few challenges recently. Until then, we hope you stay safe and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BMP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.